talk show for throttle junkies, motorheads, and anyone who loves rocking the driver's seat. From barn fresh to concour ready, Road Muscle Radio parks the latest news and the biggest names in rolling thunder right in your ears. Let's welcome your show hosts, 30 plus year radio veteran, author, playwright, lousy karaoke singer, and lover of fat and freaky American classic cars, Mark Catfish Groves, and freelance automotive journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield. Let's put the pedal to the metal. Road, Road Muscle, Muscle Radio is on the air. Welcome back. Buckle up and be sure to check out Road Muscle Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and at RoadMuscleRadio.com for links, our blog, the events we find, and of course, our podcasts. I'm Catfish Groves. And I am Brett Hatfield. Coming up, 100 feet of rusted dream car. Now note, I didn't say cars. That's 100 feet of dream car. Yeah, giant rolling tetanus shot. It's a homina homina. Justice rolls up on two Florida men who are fast and spurious. (laughs) Jack wagons. NASCAR is on, baby! And how to almost die in your garage, dragster style. Now, in the second segment, Road Muscle Radio talks with John Rost, who is the host, creator, star of the Watch J.R. Go videos on YouTube. Now, uh, Brett, you lined up an interview with him. It was quite some time ago. Oh, yeah. But the dude, what an amazing... Uh, amazing guy. I will say this. In the garage, he looks to be absolutely fearless. There's nothing he won't work on. No, he'll just dive right in. And I am so jelly. Oh, be- yeah. Because if I dove right in, all the- there would just be curse words and spills. Well, first aid kits, <laughs> uh, <laughs> bodily fluids spilled. And then a whole lot of spare parts put onto eBay. Oh, and uh, and your neighbors might think you were in the Navy at one time. Yeah. Wow, Mark, I didn't know that was on your side. So it's 100% know-how with show-how from a fearless wrencher. And... Uh, Speaking of Brett, uh, I have I finally got a little bit of feedback. You know, I'm I'm out looking for my unicorn. Oh, and uh, God, it's so far away though. Ten hours, uh, South Dakota. There is a 1967 Chrysler 300, black top on cream. You know, loaded to the gills. It's got that front grill that's just all just kind of horizontal lines, and it just looks angry. South Dakota. It's yeah, South. Well, that way there's no rust. You see, that's what I'm looking for. Not the fact that I can't find anything around Kansas City in my price range, but uh, this thing. I, I talked with the fellow. He's uh, he's already brought it down eight hundred bucks, and uh, he said, "Please said me, tell me it's close to Sturgis. Please tell me it's close to yeah, Sturgis." Yeah, actually, Please. it's the the road is Sturgis Road, really uh, that it's on, and it. Uh, I, mm, mm, I'll go, I'll go with you. I uh, I'll go with you. <sighs> I, I did that. I, I also talked. You know, I've, I've been busy. I, I talked. You, you poor delusional fool. I'll go with you. <laughs> <laughs> On Messenger, I, I went back and forth a little bit, kind of just laughingly with the dude down in uh, Fort Worth uh, who Again. has that Merc. And they still have that Merc, which I'm like, oh, what so maybe surprise. you're not getting your the uh-huh. price that you require. So I sent another inquiry saying, hey, you know, this this uh, 4K uh, wad of bills is burning a hole in my pocket. And he's like, oh, is that 7000 you said burning a hole? And I'm, I'm like, you're funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> they're, they're close on a 10 key, but not that close. Well, you know, they, uh, uh, nice guy, though. He's, he's being really nice about it. So I've actually made some inquiries. 
Well, maybe you're the only guy who's talking to him, and he's just trying to see uh, yeah. whether or not you can be strung along. Uh, yeah, he can tell when a guy's like, oh, yeah. oh, Marky want, oh, catfish needle. Well, you're not the only one who's out shopping cars. Oh, no, it's it's all over. Uh, no, I, I hmm? convinced my dad to spend part of my inheritance early. <laughs> <laughs> now let me rephrase that. My old man took one look at me and said, I'm not giving this crap to you. I'm going to go car shopping. <laughs> uh, Dad and I have been watching Bring a Trailer like Hawks. Yeah. Came really close to winning a 1957 Chevy Cameo Resto Mod pickup. Oh, oh, hello, darling. It was cool. In fact, Dad was the high bidder on the thing, and I thought we had the sucker won and sent you a message. And then Bring a Trailer sent me a message that said, no, dummy, there was a reserve. Ah, eh, didn't I, get that one. I hate that when people say it's Christmas. It's Christmas. Sorry, it's Fourth of July. Yeah, damn it. And then we uh, we watched a '64 Corvette coupe, uh, silver blue, blue interior. Oh, isn't that kind of three twenty seven, three sixty five, four speed car? That's your other dream vet, isn't it? With AC, yeah, it's real close to what I've been looking for. And we watched that thing and. Kind of uh, watched her around fifty grand until it jumped up to about fifty five, and then it sold. Yeah, bingo. and that that one got away. And then, oh my god, and then <laughs> no, behind door number three. Uh, well, we're Chevy guys, you know. So fifty five Chevy Nomad Resto Mod. Dad jumped in on that thing around. I think he was around forty six or forty seven, and went. In five hundred dollar chunks back and forth with a guy until it was well deep into the fifties, <sighs> and we've had an experience like this at an auction before, where Dad looked at me after bidding a guy up ten thousand dollars and said, "You know, at forty seven, I should have told him give me five hundred dollars and I'll quit jacking with you." <laughs> But you don't get to do that. Yeah, there's there's a way to turn this around and make it a, a win-win, but damn it. So, God bless him. He's trying to bring home another car, and yeah. he did win an, another bring-a-trailer auction last week. He bought himself another Mercedes convertible to put, in a, to put down a Tucson. So, he's got two Harley trucks and two silver Mercedes convertibles that are very close in year. He said he wants me to take pictures of them all in the warehouse together. I told him people are going to think you got a giant Xerox machine, Dad. <laughs> uh, but apparently the guy just learns what he finds what he likes, and he just buys more than one of it. Well, maybe he drives one while the other one's dirty. Well, I don't know. Well, he, on the Harley truck thing, he's miled one of them out, and that may come to me or may not. I don't know. Uh, here, son, here's a POS. <laughs> yes. Well, it's, it just needs me. It needs what I do to cars. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, true. But certain promises have been walked back a little bit, so I don't know if that's going to wind up in my garage or not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I like how you're enabling him. <laughs> I, I really uh, I admire that. You know, on the one hand, yeah, maybe they're not mine, but on the other hand, he's 76, eventually. <laughs> E eventually, I will see the keys. <laughs> the, the unfortunate thing is he's in better health than I am, so maybe not. Love those warm hugs, man. Uh -huh. Love those warm hugs. Really love you, Dad. Really love you. Hey, Pop, if you're listening, and I know you are, I still have designs on all your cars. Yeah, just FYI. <laughs> uh, and on that note, in, uh -huh. in the news, uh, the American dream was the world's longest limo. And it's in the hands of a Florida man now. This is from MotorTrend.com. 
uh, written by Ed Tahaney. Tahaney? Ed <laughs> Mr. Tahaney? Uh, sorry, wow, that just totally dated me, didn't it? Yeah, yeah it did, and the bad thing is, is I'm right there. <laughs> hey, you're right there with me. Back in the dream world of 1986, when the handouts grew in bushes with cigarette trees and lemonade springs and alcohol streams, car customizer named Jay Orberg decided to build the American dream. Wait a second. I know what you're talking about. I think about. you do. I've seen this thing on a poster. And he really called it, that's what it was called, was the American dream. Uh, now, this is the same guy who gave us Kit from the TV show Knight Rider and the DeLorean in Back to the Future. Is this that giant white monstrosity that's got like a jacuzzi in the back? <laughs> Bingo, gringo. Then the poster had a couple of, like, Big hair, blonde, buxom. Uh, I don't know nothing Brazilian about no poster, bikini. but I've seen pictures of the car, and uh -huh. it, it sounds like the exact one. Because did it have a lot of kind of ridiculous smeared on it? Oh yeah, and, yeah, that's the one. And then. It looked like you might be able to go through and find little bags of white powder <laughs> and a lot of mirrors. Well, he started with uh, went to work using a 1976 Cadillac Eldorado as the base, and loosely, and created a 100 foot long stretch limo that landed in the Guinness Book of World Records longest car in the world. Hundred feet long you know that's i think a 22 foot long car the, all the ones i like are around uh -huh. 22 uh i think those are really friggin long and then i'm trying to think of five of them hooked together vlad the impaler is a little bit longer than my navigator yeah and i think she's real close to 20 maybe so yeah <laughs> yeah so imagine this thing it's white it's got this black vinylish top and it's got you know American flags all over it. Oh, Here, man. some of the uh, the special things that they'd added to it. There's a helipad. There is a helipad uh, in the tail, which doubled not only as a helipad, but when you put the cover on it, uh, it was a putting green. You're kidding? No. <laughs> it had two engines. <laughs> It would have to. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Uh, it had dozens of windows, not just a few, dozens of windows. You know how you could prove you were the world's biggest douche? Take that to the... <laughs> Take that to the church car wash where kids are washing cars for six bucks. Yes, six bucks. <laughs> and tip them two. Uh, <laughs> I want my change back from this ten. Come on. <laughs> Come on, buddy. <laughs> oh, man, that's so bad. This gas won't pay for itself. Uh, it had TVs. 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 Telephones. And this is uh, Probably you just know, so you could talk to the driver. And this is back in the mid-'80s, so you know these are mobile phones that are like a suitcase. Uh -huh. uh, it had a lounge. And a waterbed, because 1986. Uh, it had a jacuzzi, <laughs> this, a helipad, putting green, jacuzzi. And lest, uh, lest we feel left out and we don't want to get into the hot water, you can get into the swimming pool that was on swimming it with its own pool. little diving swimming board. Pool. Yeah, you know, I want to go through the inside of this thing with a black light. <laughs> if there was any inside left of it, you could. Oh. You see, he built the thing in two sections, joined in the middle by a hinge, controlled by its own operator, so they could get around corners. Yeah, you would have to. The hinge could be set to a fixed position, too, so that it was rigid over the entire length. It rolled down the road on 24 wheels and tires. Now, it still exists, but damn. But why? It didn't go well. The limo spent years rotting away and being slowly stripped in a parking lot. Well, yeah, because where would you park it? It'd have to be yeah. in a hangar or something. <laughs> what, one-third of a football field? Uh, and then it made its way to the Auto Museum in Mineola, New York, several years ago. There it, went, it underwent a restoration that was to be a teaching project for students. Problem is, it taught them that they couldn't do it. Yeah, you know what the, te you know what the lesson <laughs> to be learned here is? 
this is what you don't do. Yeah. Welcome, kids, to this is called a mistake. Um, <laughs> now it's in two pieces in the Desertland Park Car Museum in Orlando, Florida. It's in a process of a complete restoration wait, wait. Uh, last year. It went from a museum in New York yeah. to a museum in Florida. In Orlando, yep. Imagine transporting that thing. Now, granted, you said it could be split in two. Yeah, they cut it. They wherever that hinge was, they took it apart. You've got you know two uh, yeah, big honking fruhoffs. <laughs> semi trailers are what forty eight, fifty three. Yep, something like that. Yeah, it just barely fit onto it. Good grief! Strap it down. They took it down, and uh, they're in the process. It it was supposed to be ready in like uh, spring. Uh, but with COVID and all that, it's it's not happening. And the, the huge thing about this, they've got some video on it. If you go on to, um, uh, motortrend.com and find the article, uh, and we'll, we'll have a link on it on, um, road muscle radio. There's some video of the inside of it and it's just, it's gutted. It is an empty, empty shell. And you look down and all you see is what looks like a couple of railroad tracks that are the, uh, (laughs) the frame and dirt. There's no oh floorboard. Uh, all of the TVs are gone. The waterbeds. It, it's there is still the the shell of the pool in the back and uh. the jacuzzi and the, that's that is worse than like a a mot- closed Motel Six somewhere in in North Arkansas because you know, it's just nasty. I wouldn't put a foot in that thing to save my soul. I'm thinking about this. People buy those uh, those big storage containers. Those forty foot long storage containers and turn yeah. them into houses and storage and stuff. Uh-huh. Maybe this would be better served. <laughs> it could, it could be a college dorm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 50, Maybe this would be better served. Fifty feet of uh, I tap a keg. A uh, hundred feet long of you, you could you could stick a lot of college freshmen in that bad mother. Yeah, that's a it it is in nasty condition, and I hope the um, the Desertland is able to do something with it just because it was. It was really ridiculous. So the thing about the Desertland uh, um, Museum is that the vehicle is going to join the museum's supersized collection of Batmobiles and James Bond cars. <laughs> so, gang, the American dream is coming back, and you know what? you damn right it is. <laughs> hey, good on them. They decided to go, wow, man, way to shoot for, for a big target. Absolutely. So, uh, we've got another story out of Florida. <laughs> a man in Florida. Another story with a man. Florida man. Ooh. <laughs> Involving a, a couple of guys and uh, no face eating this time. Aww. Oh, I know. No happy ending? Well, we always have high hopes for Florida. <laughs> but wait, Florida never disappoints. <laughs> never disappoint. In St. Pete, two, uh, two jack legs. <laughs> <laughs> Two jack legs were charged with allegedly stealing classic cars, using them to burglarize businesses, and then stripping them for parts. After a 10-month investigation, St. Petersburg police uh, detectives arrested James Nethery. If you know either of these guys, mm, you, you, need yeah. to, you need to get hold of this. we got something special for them. <laughs> James Nethery and Jason Kennedy, it looks like. Uh, for allegedly committing 30 crimes in St. Petersburg and more than 20 additional crimes throughout uh, Pinellas County. Wow. Detectives say between July of 2019 and early this year, 2020, the pair stole more than 25 classic cars. And in many cases, stripped them down to use the parts in other vehicles. Oh, my God. (laughs) They were stripping them down and then using them in other vehicles. So they didn't even... Sell them, yeah. They no, were, I'm just, uh, yeah. I'm they real, must have used them in the next classic that they stole. 
I'm telling you, I'm buying basalts for that. that <laughs> yeah. Uh, Watch your roomie in prison, dude. <laughs> according to detectives, they knew how to get the cars the old school way, whether it was hot wiring or punching the locks uh. out, according to Ricardo Lopez of the St. Petersburg Police. You've been ru- out ruining perfectly good classic cars so you could build junkers to go rob people. Well, were they robbing banks? I mean, were they, you know, kind of like gone in 60 seconds, kind of, you know, I'm walking away with $80,000, $100,000 kind of things? I don't think so. It says in several cases they used stolen vehicles to commit commercial burglaries. They broke into more than 30 businesses throughout the county where they stole lawn equipment, stereo equipment, fishing poles, shoes, and cigarettes. Sounds to me like they've been robbing pawn shops. Oh, my God. So... Basically, they just went the bottom side of Craigslist. We're going to ruin your cool car to build up our not-so-cool car to go steal junk. Uh, St. Petersburg detectives work closely with investigators from Pinellas County, uh, the Pinellas County Sheriff's Office, uh, Pinellas Park Police, Clearwater Police, Largo Police, Kenneth City Police, and Port Ritchie Police. 25 classic cars they allegedly took and stripped. Allegedly, jackasses. So they could steal (laughs) weed whackers, speakers, and cigarettes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. There's a a special place in hell for these jack legs. Uh, It's full of Yugos and warm tofu beer. Ah, that's fitting. (laughs) Jesus. Well, on on a better note, uh, NASCAR is starting back up. This past weekend, as a matter of fact, um, they had their first... uh, race in like forever it was at darlington raceway in south carolina uh opened its 70 year old gates so that uh, the stock car series could roar again and you know revenue i'll tell you what money's missing espn has been so bare for the last couple of months i bet that had wall to wall coverage oh can you imagine probably a three-hour show beforehand a three-hour oh, show after oh yeah <laughs> yeah you, you guys are making rednecks happy and i'm i am totally for it i i did read in the news uh over the weekend that the on the first lap there was and i can't remember the young man's name but there was some driver because he even had a little bit of video that mm-hmm. they played afterwards where he's you know he he recorded it on his phone, talked about, I am so sorry to my race team, and I'm so sorry to this. First race, right, for however long. Season's been shoved off, shoved off, finally gets out there. Team gets out there. There's nobody in the stands. They only let in nine people per team. So even the owners weren't there. Nine people per team. Wow. And then they, they checked them all for, you know, how hard are you? Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, no. people finally got in. First lap. No. First corner. No. Doink. And he's oh, done no. for the race. It was honestly, it was kind of heartbreaking. I, I felt for the guy. Uh, I am not typically a big NASCAR fan, but you could the disappointment would yeah. be palpable there. And I, I am so glad to see them uh, finally get up and running. NASCAR chose Darlington, the oldest speedway on the Cup circuit, as the safest place to restart the season after eight events were postponed and the series sat idle. For 10 weeks. Safest place for most of the drivers. <laughs> yeah, except one. It was that corner. It was that damn corner. Mm-hmm. Now, they were facing a financial collapse if live races didn't get going on national television. They had their health plan approved in South Carolina. North Carolina released an aggressive revised schedule. And then, if you'll forgive the pun, they were off to the races. <laughs> so uh you couldn't resist now since you're not able to go to the show i kind of suggest that you make your uh, garage 
mm-hmm. kind of race ready because you can put, you know, nice big screen on, on one side of it. You get basically a beer proof. I'd go get a vinyl couch. Okay. Have so it you, delivered. You could get 30 or 40 cases of bush light. Oh, hells yeah. And, uh, and then I would put an inflatable pool in the middle with some water as the mm-hmm. infield and then just get it on. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And, re- and your re- rebel flag swim trunks. <laughs> And, and you get, get her done. <laughs> and get a pair of clippers and have your wife give you a mullet. So good on you, NASCAR. We are, uh, we're glad to see you uh, uh, rocking and rolling. Hey, it's good to see somebody's doing something. Now, I read a story also uh, that was in driving.ca, Canada. Mm-hmm. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. That uh, was, it, it could have it ended a lot worse. And I, I love this story for a couple of reasons. Uh, first and foremost, it was on Leap Day this year, a uh, area drag racing enthusiast out of Vancouver, Canada, pretty well-known guy named Roger Manson, almost bit it in his garage. And it's, it, it wasn't on a drag strip, which you would think. His dragster, it's, it's a smaller dragster, uh, fell off a hoist and pinned him. Oh, no. A uh, low-slung, little-bitty dragster. It's constructed with a tubular steel frame, roll cage, powered by a blown and injected four-cylinder engine, cranking out 600 horsepower. <laughs> See, and I was thinking when you started the story, you were going to say the guy was revving the engine up to test it or something, and it came off of a of a set of jack stands <laughs> and hit the floor and launched into it his launched neighborhood. In. No, nah, man, he, he had it up in the air, and it went doink. Uh, apparently, it was nine feet in the air as Manson was working on it on some of the steering parts. He slid what? one arm away from under the front frame so he could add non-skid material to the pad that was supporting the car uh-huh. for safety. Uh-huh. Now, he'd positioned the rear arms of the hoist so they were on the head bolts holding on the rear suspension in place. That's what gave way. And then it just kind of thwink, uh, slipped right off and uh, it just slipped right at him. The car fell sideways off the hoist. It all, it had him almost. It didn't have him actually pin-pinned, almost pinned. He narrowly escaped with a cut on his head, some bruising. He was in shock for several hours. Yeah. He's okay. He's back to wrenching because this, uh, this was a couple months ago. Here's the deal, though. This guy is 77 years old. 77, and he's out there working on his dragster. Yeah, well, uh, I, I happen to know his spiritual cousin. <laughs> <laughs> he, he might be my dad. Might be. <laughs> he might be my dad. Now, this guy, uh, Mr. Manson, uh, his home engineer dragster runs on a four-cylinder Pontiac Tempest engine from the 60s. It's a four-cylinder 600. blown, 600-horsepower Tempest, Pontiac Tempest can engine. We, can we back up to one other number? <laughs> He said he had to sucker nine feet in the air. Yeah, he has a he has a lift in his. What's in his he got? Garage. Bigfoot working on the thing? Why is it nine <laughs> feet in the air? Well, you know, it, it might have. I don't know. Yeah, I have no clue. That seems like three feet too high. Maybe he's a little tall. Maybe um, he. Uh, so he was working on this. the uh, The engine itself, this four cylinder Pontiac Tempest from the sixties. Don't worry. He's currently the one that's in there is his fiftieth. He's gone through 50 engines. Five zero. Yes, five zero. Number 51 is already built and is ready for competition. I bet he's good at putting them together by now. Oh, this dude, I got nothing but props for this guy. He got his National Hot Rod Association Drag Racing license at the age of 50. His li- 50. His license to race on the Bonneville Salt Flats he got when he was 65. <laughs> 
Dude, good on him. This dude is he's kick ass. He is good like on him. He is all kung fu for the AARP. His fastest <laughs> drag racing time was 152 miles an hour doing a quarter in 8.72 seconds with that four cylinder. AARP NHRA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when he and his wife Marlene began campaigning their super competition race car in the Bonneville Salt Flats, his fastest officially timed speed was 195.4 miles per hour. Yeah, that's fast. Than I've ever gone. Unofficially, the car reached 206 miles per hour, and what uh, he was inducted by the Greater Vancouver uh, Motorsport Pioneers Society in 2011. His drag race, so 2011, that was uh, nine years ago. So he was 68. <laughs> his drag racing and still drag racing, mind you, active drag racer. His drag racing and salt flats competition followed 28 years of off-road racing, a 1950s Jeep powered by. A Pontiac four-cylinder. Well, he's, he's found what he's good at. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, even the front of his little uh, his little uh, dragster thing, it has kind of a fakey-looking aluminum Jeep-looking front. They made 16 trips across the U.S., towing the race car close to more than a million miles, winning the Sand Nationals in Olympia, Washington, twice. This and- guy got to 50 and just decided, this is what I'm doing, period. Yeah. Yeah, this is it. Hey, honey, I'd really like to just go fast a lot from now on. Okay. From now on. (laughs) Props to her. Uh, Now, side note, in high school, Roger installed a six-cylinder Vauxhall. Vauxhall? Vauxhall? Vauxhall. Vauxhall engine to replace the underpowered four-cylinder power plant in his 1950 Hillman. That's not a very big car. He hand-built a three-carburetor manifold (laughs) to provide extra horsepower. This is in freaking high school. I'm telling you, I know this guy. I don't know. I don't know this guy, but I know this guy. I know his soul. It was, uh, and I will explain real quickly at the end of this. In his 20s, he installed a DeSoto Hemi engine into his 1941 Ford convertible. Dude, I like this guy. I know he's kicking. It was equipped with six carburetors with that home built manifold, mm-hmm. and his goal with the dragster. It still is to officially officially break the 200 mile per hour barrier at the salt flats. That's I am cool. I am glad this accident didn't uh, didn't turn out worse than it did, and I'm just uh, I I am so charmed with this dude. Amazing. Real quickly, very short version. I know this guy because my dad is this guy. <laughs> dad decided once when I was uh, I think I was just out of high school. He wanted to take his garage, and he wanted to make the walls taller because he was going to build it into a different Oh, my garage. God, yes. Oh, you're talking about the nine-foot lift. Okay. Yeah. 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 So crazy, my dad, takes a couple bottle jacks and screws a couple of eight-foot studs together, <laughs> or seven-foot studs together, and puts them under the headers in this room that's got eight-foot walls and jacks them up a little bit and gets some pressure on them and then walks along with a skill saw and cuts all the studs that are in the existing wall, <laughs> takes the two bottle jacks, jacks the wall up a foot, Siamese is in, all new studs all the way across, goes the other wall, does the same thing. Oh, my God. This is my dad. <laughs> and he has done more crap like that. So, yeah, I get this guy. I get this guy. This guy raised me. <laughs> crazy as hell, figures out a way to make it work. You're always looking at him, shaking your head, going, that's not a good idea. Well, we love it. Well played, Canada. Yeah, absolutely. Well played. Now, you can find link to, links to these stories and more on our blog at roadmuscleradio.com. And coming up in our second segment, John Ross from Watch JR Go the is guy, here to talk projects. He wrenches on everything. Oh, He, he is truly the friend to all cars broken. 
He's uh, he's going to let us know kind of what's going on, some how tos, and uh, you know how to just jump into your favorite hobby with both feet and no parachute. So stick around. We got more Road Muscle Radio coming up. We're back with Road Muscle Radio. You can find us on the web at roadmuscleradio.com, on Twitter at Road Muscle Radio, and on Facebook at Road Muscle Radio. If you know I'm somebody, seeing a theme here. You know, there's a connection. I don't know what it is. If you know somebody that we should talk to that might have a great story about a vehicle, maybe they're doing something really cool, a shop that you know is kind of like one of those hidden secrets that you don't want anybody to know about, but you want them to stay in business, give us a call. Send hey, us an email, driver at roadmuscleradio.com. We'll see about that in the Maybe you're somebody interview. we should be talking to. Who we are speaking to this evening is uh, Mr. John Ross of uh, Watch JR Go on YouTube. Who is How's it going, guys? Who has become hey. a full-time YouTube personality? Excellent! And boy, can you tell it because he just cranks out a solid video every day, one every day. after another after part. another. <laughs> He's always up to his elbows in something. He buys project cars, motorcycles, the occasional boat, and shows us all how to diagnose, fix, and breathe new life into them. Uh, among his current projects are a Hefner twin turbo Audi R- Audi R8. A five hundred dollar Porsche nine forty four, <laughs> his grandfather's super cool sixty five Ford pickup, and just a repugnant Snyder three wheeled crap box that can scarcely get out of its own way. No matter what it is, Jr. seems to know how to fix it. He truly is a friend. All cars broken. Jr. Welcome to Road Muscle Radio. Thank you guys for having me. So, how did you get started working on cars? Is it something you were taught or something you learned? Did your dad show you or somebody else? How did you get interested in this? So, I kind of grew up just working on engines with my dad. Um, you know, lawnmowers, when I, my first lawnmower engine when I was five, and I just kind of kept going from there. Motorcycles after that, and that turned into, I traded my, well, one of my favorite motorcycles for my first car, and I had to rebuild the engine on that before I could have the car, and, you know, it just, just kept going. You knew how to work on cars. It's something you've done for all your life. What spurred sure. you to start a YouTube channel? Uh, you know, we had actually done a bunch of, you know, shenanigans in cars, ridiculous stuff. And <laughs> it's always one of those things where everyone's like, we should be recording this. So we started recording it, and it kind of uh, grew from there, uh, and it kept going. So now all I do is work on cars for YouTube. So what was it that got it all started? I mean, you have so many uh, informative, while being entertaining, uh, YouTube videos. What I, what were you doing in those first ones where you're like, oh, my God, I, we, we need to film this? What was that first one? You know, it's actually tough. I'm I'm not sure. I'd have to, like, go <laughs> back and take a look. I did one time, but I've long since forgotten. Uh, but I'd say we were flipping a lot of cars, and they seemed like they would be good stories. And honestly, those were some of my favorite stories. And now it's harder to find stuff like that because as time has gone on, you know, even the cheap cars have gotten more expensive and it's a little tougher to do what we used to do back then at a very rapid pace. Kind of amazing that you would think to film the things you're doing. I remember when I was a kid and we were fooling with cars, we were always saying, thank God nobody saw it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's like evidence. (laughs) That's exactly what it was. Sometimes you got to hide the speedometer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we drove this in Mexico. <laughs> what do you look for in a project car? What is it that uh, makes you look at something and think, I got to have that. Yeah. We got to do just, this. Just unique. Uh, basically, it's unique or something everyone else hates. 
Oh, uh, so th- those are my favorite, right? Because they're the ones that people will have uh, really polarizing opinions about cars that are widely hated or widely loved. So you want to kind of chase that down or chase down something they've never seen before. And that's and it's kind of what I enjoy, too, is, you know, driving something that no one else has ever seen. To that end, why in the hell <laughs> did you buy that three wheeled Snyder? Uh, just because of its rarity, there's not really any left in the U.S., maybe a handful of them. And uh, I, I only had that for one week. I had it sold at the end of the week that oh. I bought it, which was great. For I those, was super happy to see it go. For yeah. those of us, or for those who are listening who don't know what that is, describe what the Snyder was. Uh, it is a three-wheeled car. I think it was a 2010 or 11, 9? I, I don't know. It was, it was actually a pretty late model car that looked like it was 30 years old because of how cheaply built it is. And a uh, 600cc motorcycle engine, uh, five or four speed transmission. I've forgotten. It's been almost a month and a half since it's been sold. I, I mean, it's a three wheeled car and uh, very poorly <laughs> built. That's probably the best way to put it. Oh, it, it looked like it came in a box. I doubt that came assembled when it was new. It actually does come assembled. You buy them as a six pack. It fills a, uh, a container. <laughs> so it's, you can get on Alibaba right now and order them in minimum quantity six. And uh, yeah, it, it comes stacked up at an angle and six in a container. What a craptastic piece of engineering! You're, that you're thing not kidding. Was. That's for real. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, hundred percent. You can't bring them in anymore because uh, the uh, I don't remember if it's the EPA or DOT. Oh, Somebody ne- came down hard and neither of them. It won't pass anything. That looked like a beer can I with a go kart. Totally engine. thought you were yanking my chain on that. It was no, packed no, in. No, no, no. You, you can <laughs> oh you can God. order them right now. You just can't bring them in. <laughs> that and eight thousand little flamingos. Yeah, winner. Yeah, you could you could pack the rest of the container with flamingos. <laughs> I'm so in. Okay, so for the opposite end of your repair of your repair car spectrum, tell us about the Audi R8. What was wrong with it when you got it, and at what stage is it now? So I kind of bought that car specifically for the channel, and because it's you know a pretty desirable car, as you know, a gated manual Audi R8. Who doesn't want the manual, right? And it was a twin turbo car, and it was down a cylinder. And when I bought it, the story was that a shop in Arizona had said they would fix the whole thing for like $4,000. And I got it home and found out that that's not the case. Even just opening that engine up and putting it back together, you're looking at $10,000 in parts. So we uh, oh. bought a brand new engine from Audi, like the only uh, one at the time in the U.S., and stuck it in there. We just, just actually put it in there, got it running. And now there's something weird going on with like a <laughs> – a vacuum issue or a PCV issue, and it's uh, not quite running right yet. But I mean, it's close enough. I'm going to uh, send it off to Hefner or the Cardin Engine, have them finish it up. Mark, if you haven't seen the videos for this, and they're fairly recent, it's just in the last couple of weeks, he has two Audi R8 engines fully disassembled in his garage, <sighs> and there's not room to put a foot down. I'd say that's was because the car is completely back together now, except for the bumpers, basically. Yeah, but you're watching the when you're watching the videos, and I was yeah, watching the videos, yeah. and I'm looking at that, and I'm going, "That is the most intimidating thing ever." I'm glad it's oh. not my garage. Very hard to work in there. It's very small for for what we're doing inside that garage. So when you were uh, after you got the engine back in, were there any parts still sitting there? Going, oh no, I don't think we have any leftovers. Uh, we we definitely <laughs> nailed that car. I think it's about as perfect as it could be. But the turbo system adds so much complexity that's fully undocumented. There's no guides or anything about it. Oh, my God. Um, there's, there must be some vacuum lines that are wrong still. And we have two open vacuum lines that we had plugged just to make it run. 
and now I'm going to send it down to Hefner and have him sort out what's left of it, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah looking at that, I would think that's a little bit like, welcome to NASA. We're not going to tell you anything. Go figure it out. That's a yeah, lot of exactly. spaghetti. We hope, we, hope, we hope you make it to space. If you're wrong, you won't work. <laughs> <laughs> no problem anyway. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's get to something a little simpler. Uh, tell us sure. about your grandfather's Ford truck, and aside from it once being your granddad's, what's so special about it? Yeah, uh, it's a 1965 Ford F100 custom cab, so single cab, long bed. Um, it has a Cruise-O-Matic in it. Uh, I think it's a, uh, you know, I forgot what transmission it actually is. Um, C6. It's a C6. And it has a 390 in it, and it had a carburetor, and it sat for, basically when I was a kid, I would drive it once a year. I'd go out in the garage, we'd put a, a battery in it almost every year, you know, because you can't let those things sit. Take it out to drive around the city, put it back, and then after I, like, got my own place and my own job, I really never went back down and drove it again. So it sat for seven, eight, nine years. At that point, it was in trouble, right? The tank was full of sediment and rust, mm. and the secondary tank was actually the top rotted out of it, stuff like that. Wow. Oh, so, wow. Uh, yeah, it was completely gone. Yeah, we got an entire Holly fuel system front to back for the thing. Put a uh, sniper on it, the sniper stealth, which is the really fancy four barrel that can support tons of horsepower. And we put that on it, a uh, new fuel tank and new shocks and so much new stuff. We basically just put on everything it needed. And now it is a heck of a driver. You bump the key, it starts. And that's what I was going for the whole time. No more carburetor, no more plugged up sediment bowls from it never being driven. And honestly, it, it won't get driven much more because obviously it's an heirloom. And it's been parked since I finished the videos. So it, huh. people uh, were upset that I pulled the carb off, but I'd already be having carb troubles again. It's been sitting for a month and a half. But it is a super clean truck, and it looked really great super when you were clean. working on it. Yeah. And it looks like yes. it's been nicely preserved, and it probably has a little bit more power now. Oh, it's actually, it feels way faster. So I'm very happy about that. It went from a two-barrel to a, you know, a four-barrel fuel injection system that can support 600-plus horsepower. So it better. <laughs> Speaking of uh, fast trucks, seems to be kind of a theme with you. Tell us about the Viper truck. Uh, where did you find that, and what is it that possessed you to buy it? What makes that worth owning? Uh, I ran up to a place right beside your house when you're coming into Kansas City on 35 and uh, picked up that Viper truck on a whim because I always wanted one. I think most people always wanted one, right? I mean, a Viper engine and a truck. So uh, <laughs> I, I saw it on the Internet. The price dropped after I was, like, stalking the listing for a couple weeks and then i started calling every day and making a lower offer a lower offer and uh, eventually they were like yeah we'll take 14.9 or whatever i paid for it and and i was happy because it was the cheapest one in the u.s oh my yeah and wh why yeah. is that one in particular so special i'd say it's actually the least of the special ones so the quad cabs are pretty hated i'd say by most of the viper truck guys uh but it has the uh 48 re out of the diesel sitting behind the uh, decent behind that Viper engine that acts like a diesel, basically, and it just idles around and it'll hold all all your friends and it'll pull a trailer. So, just what I wanted out of that thing. It's and, not slow. I mean, it's not fast, is what I meant to say. It uh, it feels slow all the time, even though it's sort of quick, and uh, it makes an okay amount of power. The video's not out yet, but we put it on the dyno and it barely made 300 horsepower. I mean, what? that's that's two. 200 horsepower off what they say in the factory. 8.3 liters of V10 Fury. God. And uh, it's basically, basically all you get out of that truck is bad fuel economy. <laughs> well, and now's the time to own it while gas is cheap. 
yes, it, it's also the time to sell it. The comments let me know immediately. Like, you should start looking for a buyer now, and they are not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we may be able to help you with that. So if there was an antithesis to a Viper truck, an 8.3 liter quad cab, uh, it might be a $500 Porsche. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for sure. The uh, Viper truck's, you know, a relatively nice car, and weirdly, so is this five hundred dollar Porsche. It's an eighty seven nine forty four that we just found in a field. It'd been sitting for three to four to five years, basically. The uh, when we went to buy it, the story was it was two. While we were there buying it, it was three to four. And after the fact, we met the owner's son, and he was like, "Oh, it's been sitting longer than that." <laughs> <laughs> Dog ears. <laughs> what all yep, did you, yep. what all'd you have to do to that one? Uh, so we got it running really fast, as I expected. Uh, they told us they got a new timing belt and all the stuff that usually fails on 944s uh, right before it got parked because uh, the flywheel was broke. Uh, it has a rubber flywheel, and they always disintegrate on those cars. I saw so, that video. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And they told us it had all the stuff that mattered, which is the timing belt. I don't want the engine to die. So I immediately stuck a battery in it. And we pulled the fuel injectors, filled them with uh, some 44K, let them sit, ran them on a fuel injector test bench, put them back in and started within like, you know, the first few hours of me owning it. So oh I had basically the only thing to fix it was a $7 set of O-rings. And of course, you know, every car I buy needs a battery. I don't even count them anymore. I put them in <laughs> so, so often. I was shocked watching that video because tell, tell us a little bit more about that rubber Rubber flywheel. Flywheel. What the hell? Yeah, isn't that how, crazy? How do you get so, away with that? How does that work even? So the 944 uses a torque tube, and that torque tube's connected to a uh, Porsche transaxle in the rear, uh, and the torque converter is also in the rear. So up front, it's actually just like a giant rubber dampener that was, sits where a flywheel would, and the rubber holds together like uh, this big metal thing in the center that has some splines and two yeah. uh, big sheets of metal, basically. And once the rubber fails, those sheets of metal hook and it, it'll get you home. But that's what it's there for is to like knock down vibrations, basically. But it's a very bad design and it fails all the time. Even even if you buy a new one, you're only going to get a, you know, a handful of years out of it. Maybe maybe 10 at best. I'm trying to imagine a big hunk of rubber, you know, basically it's being a in my training. Rubber and it just in metal. No. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. That's all the power for the car. Runs that. It's a three it's words. Not good, baby. And it's. Seventeen hundred dollars, six sixteen hundred and ninety three dollars to buy one of those things. But you know, we we actually put a clutch in the car. So you grab the clutch out of the manual car and you pull out that flywheel, put the clutch in. So you've got a flywheel with a clutch and a uh, pressure plate. Bolt all that together so the clutch can never be released, and that's how you replace it, and it doesn't go bad. Oh wow! So that's the fix. That's God. the fix. It's called the static clutch. Speaking of making up new fixes for stuff, uh, you've got. I love this car. This is one of my favorites. You've got an LS swap Rolls Royce called <laughs> the Spirit of Rectacy. <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> Tell us about that bad boy. And uh, it is a uh, 1979 Rolls Royce Silver Wraith two. And uh, with that car, I had a three series BMW, a 328. We bought for a grand, and it was wrecked in the front end. Had just hit a deer. We pulled out the front end with a tractor, put the BMW all back together to make that story shorter. And uh, basically the day I put it together, 
Uh, a friend of mine saw a listing saying this guy with this Rolls Royce would trade for a manual car. I drove it straight to his house. And he said he'd trade. <laughs> no more questions were asked. And I drove that Rolls Royce home. Oh, my Lord. And barely then... ran. Barely ran. It was, a, it was a fight to get that thing to 30 miles home. It took hours. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, so yeah. yeah, after that, we, we pulled out that boat anchor that has those SU carbs. It's, it's a terrible engine, a terrible carburetor setup. I don't, it was all junk. So we trashed the whole driveline, transmission, engine. Uh, the car wizard bought all that, and we grabbed a LS6 out of a CTSV with a nitrous kit, put that in there, and uh, <laughs> along with nitrous outlet, we we put the nitrous system back and full Holly fuel management. Oh my Terminator God. Terminator X-Max. That's so fun. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, and then, yeah, we cut the dash out and put in the giant Holly touchscreen, so you can manage the whole car from the dash without, you know, really lifting a finger. You just swipe but you made that Holly touchscreen uh, look a little bit like what it replaced. Yeah, it, it almost. Yeah, I uh, photoshopped a, basically a copy of the Rolls Royce dash in, and you can touch the gauges and move them around and do whatever you want. You can put limits in, all kinds of really cool stuff, and it looks like the Rolls gauges. And there's a big Rolls logo in the center, and uh, yeah, we cut out the dash and set it in the wood and then put a wood background in there. So it kind of matched. I love that. That's probably my favorite project. Well, and you took it to Texas. Uh, we actually broke it in, which is, uh, we, we didn't even make it. Yeah. What? It did go to Texas, but it, it went to Texas on a trailer. We broke it here while we were testing. Mm-hmm. Oopsies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We, we launched it a few times, did a few test burnouts and they, the first burnout was really good. And I got another good one out of it. And when I went to uh, launch it for the third time, the entire rear end exploded and scattered parts all over the ground. We we said forget it and put it on a trailer because it had to be in Texas the next morning. So oh wow yeah we're, we'll be back on that project soon. We're gonna pick up a eight eight out of a new Mustang and put that in there. Now I'm dying to see it finished. That thing is so cool. <laughs> Me too. I I just can't wait to cruise around in that thing. It should just idle. It's got a four L eighty out of a Chevy Express van. And uh, hopefully it'll just turn 1500 on the highway and we can, we can just cruise around and enjoy it. You have something you have to explain to me because I don't <laughs> yeah. get it. What, what is your obsession with geo trackers? It's kind of a cool <laughs> vehicle. Um, the first one was a good deal. Right. And I, I did like a almost a hundred percent restoration minus paint. I, I stay away from paint work. If the car needs paint, it'll probably never get done because it usually costs three times what the car costs. You know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't like to mess with paint. It needed it, but we, you know, pulled the whole interior, new carpet, did a complete system. It was super nice. Uh, and then we ended up trading that tracker for a uh, Suzuki Samurai, which is the oh, yeah. much more cult status truck. The right. studlier tracker. The yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. tracker with cojones. <laughs> exactly. Little bitty cojones. <laughs> yep. And uh, somewhere in there, too, I had a Suzuki Sidekick JLX. And those oh my were God. almost the same. <laughs> but that Sidekick was 100% like the most luxury Sidekick that ever existed. It was pretty cool. I, I had that for about a week or two. So is there anything you're afraid to work on and nothing, something that you won't tackle? Yeah, another twin turbo Audi R8. I'll never. <laughs> okay. All right. Lesson learned. <laughs> wouldn't wish that on anybody. Uh, you could LS swap a Rolls Royce all day before you want to work on that. R8. Yeah, your garage looked like uh, a rocket project gone awry. <laughs> yeah, it did. Oh, it was a mess. When it started, I was so happy. The relief from I can finally clean my shop. <laughs> O'Reilly's, we have a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. 
What do you want to build that you haven't had a chance to yet? A GTR, one of my favorite 2013-2014 bolt-on car. Uh, run nines in it with the Nismo turbos and uh, and just have a nice little daily driver that's quick. Yeah, run nine. So run nines would be too bad. Yeah, it's not. It's it's honestly like uh, it's a pretty short list of mods you need to go nines on a GTR, and that's the kind of one of the big projects I'd like to own. And other than that, I kind of just like to have an Aventador as a you know a driver. I don't want to do anything to it. I want it to be stock. <laughs> and uh, that's that's really what I want to buy next. I'll probably sell off the R8 and a bunch of other cars and get an Aventador one of these days. Uh, yeah, I can't blame you there. So what have you sold that you wish you hadn't? Uh, you know, uh, maybe my BMW 545 after I had that car all straightened out. I know they're money pits and it just kept it, – it was never ending. That thing sucked up more money than I could ever imagine. <laughs> but uh, it was a good car, good driver. Uh, I loved all my Corvettes, but I did sell them because I planned on buying Z models of them all, and I'll probably do that one of these years, you know. Uh, I'd like to have all the Corvettes uh, as a collection. And I know you've got your C1, and uh, Brett, and that thing's beautiful. I'd love to have a you know a nice C1 and then a ZR1 or Z06 and everything else. If there's a ZR1, we're obviously getting that, and then we'll fill the lifts up with those. We've been speaking to John Ross Lumbert of YouTube's Watch JR Go. You can find all the social media links for John and Watch JR Go on RoadMuscleRadio.com. John, thanks so much for being with us, and uh, we sure look forward for, to everything you've got coming. Anytime, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Let me know when you, whenever you want to do it again. I've got more cars to talk about. It oh. seems like I talk about cars too much. Awesome. <laughs> no, no such thing, man. Perfect. No such thing. <laughs> Super nice guy and, God, just like a rocket science scientist without the rocket scientist degree. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if John could work on rockets. I'm sure he wouldn't be afraid of them. Yeah, he would just take it apart. He's one of those people who takes it apart and goes, oh, that's how it works. Uh-huh. And there doesn't seem to be anything he's afraid of. I know. Right? Now, I don't blame him on the Audi thing. <laughs> if you go back, you go back and you watch the last couple where they've got that engine pulled apart and they're replacing it with the uh, other one. Oh, my goodness. He had a two-car garage absolutely freaking full. You know, I'm afraid of doing drum breaks right now. So I, I, <laughs> yeah. Looking at that, I'm just like, sweet I'm, mother of God, no, no, yeah, just I'm, shoot me. John would laugh at both of us. <laughs> yes, he would. And, and has the right to. <laughs> so we want to thank him for being on and thank you for sharing your time with us as we yak about grease, gears, and cool car stuff. There's nothing like going on a fun ride, especially when you know we've got somebody like you, the listener, to share it with. Be sure to visit us on Facebook at Road Muscle Radio at RoadMuscleRadio.com and on Twitter. I'm Catfish Groves. I am Brad Hatfield. And we'll catch you down the road on Road Muscle Radio. Road Muscle Radio.